0: Swamiji, Yogananda had an idea that we should, or a, a statement, that we should express our ideals through architecture. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, more? he said,
1: immortalize your ideals in architecture. You know, I've often thought of architecture as, in a sense, the most important of the arts. Not that it's the most necessary, the most inspiring, but it's the only one that's really visible. You see a building. You don't see a statue in the courtyard or a painting in the, in the living room. <clears throat> and uh, I think that that architecture that expresses harmony, that expresses an upliftment. Some, uh, some architecture has, uh, I went to Dubai recently. I found there's some very fascinating architecture. Um, expressing um, harmony and so on some of it's a little bizarre like a twisted building and so on but i certainly approve of the attempt the functional architecture that you've seen in america it's it's a pity if you've got to look at buildings why not look at pleasant buildings i remember once in high school going to a person's house and knocking on the door just because i liked the house <laughs> They were flattered that I came and talked to them but I just wanted to know what kind of people would own such a nice looking house and I I think that's that our houses should have atmosphere they should have charm.
2: And can you tell us what sorts of things arches for example?
1: Well I think arches are you know one thing in Muslim architecture because they believe that you shouldn't uh, depict anything in nature. Of course they do it anyway on the Taj Mahal, you see flowers and things, but still that's their ideal. So they've developed these abstract forms, and many of them are quite artistic and beautiful. Uh, I, I know that the domes, for example, I very much approve of that. When I was thinking of building a temple in New Delhi many, many years ago, it was 50 something, more than 50 years ago, and uh, I want, I meditated on the form of the shape of the temple. I felt that a flat roof would be sort of depressing on the head, it's as if the energy going out from the brain uh, should come back in a harmonious way, mm-hmm. and a flat roof would depress that. A peaked roof would be um, perhaps too much for our age, but a round roof would be harmonious to the dome of the head, you might say. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I found the buildings of Buckminster Fuller, which were the closest I could come. And uh, I've built domes at Ananda for that. They're inconvenient because you can't have round, uh, you can't find round uh, divans and tables and bookcases and so on, but ideally I still think that would be excellent.
0: Swami, uh specifics in architecture
1: um arches, round shapes. I think the uh, I noticed in Le Corbusier, he was a famous French architect. I went to his city of Chandigarh in India that he designed. I did not like it at all. Mm. Apart from simple surf uh superficial facts that Indians pointed out to me that uh, the, he, he had it in such a way that the monsoon rains came into the houses. He didn't know about that. But um, burglars could climb his uh, outside more easily. Apart from all that, it was just too sharp, too modern. It didn't have that rounded feeling that India gives in its antiquity. And I feel that that uh, maturity should have roundness to it. This is a pebble in a riverbed becomes rounded by being beaten against other pebbles. And uh, sharp corners, I think, are a mistake. Uh, the in American Indians used to say that evil spirits can come into dark corners and be trapped there. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I do think that rounding of those corners. I remember a house I saw in Flagstaff, Arizona, many years ago, and it had rounded corners. It was much more harmonious. Mm -hmm. Actually, the shape of a building, this is feng shui also, I don't know much about that as a science, but I think there's much truth in it. Mm -hmm. The shapes of things that we see have an harmonious or a disharmonious influence on the mind.
0: It seems that there are some structures and places where you feel comfortable, yes. where you feel uplifted, yes. others where you don't. And, and I,
1: I think it's important to bring harmony into our lives.
0: Swami, places seem to uh, ma- manifest certain vibrations, and then they also attract certain vibrations. Um, is there a science to that? Is there a... Um, a way that you can... I
1: don't know. I I don't know if you'd call it a science. Science is usually thought of in materialistic terms. I remember I went to Capernaum in Israel many years ago, and uh, I tried to tune into the vibrations there. I wrote a whole oratorio based on my feelings when I went to the Holy Land there, and uh, it's an important work for me. But uh, when I went to Capernaum, I tried to tune into the time of Jesus, and I found that I was sort of like an archeologist. I had to go down to attending myself to different levels of civilization until suddenly I came on theirs, mm-hmm. and I felt their joy, and uh, the joy that they had in singing to God and so on. It was, for me, a very real experience and uh, I have found that places do have vibrations. Science of it, I don't know the science of it, mm-hmm. but uh, the thoughts that people have linger. That's why pilgrimage is an important thing. We go to places where pe- where God has appeared, like Lourdes, or Medjugorje, or Fatima, places where there have been a divine experience. One time, a disciple of Yogananda's, Dr. Lewis, Had an experience of God when he was a child. God reproving him for something, minding, telling him to mind his parents. Anyway, Yogananda, many years later when he came to his home, he said, you had an experience of God here. Mm. He saw a flash of light there. Mm. So that remained. And wherever there's been a superconscious experience, that vibration remains and it can be uplifting. Therefore pilgrimage is a good thing. It's not permanent, but it's a good thing to go to places where people have experienced God. Another important point on that is to try to create harmonious vibrations in, for example, um, don't do anything in your dining room but eat. And you'll feel like eating when you go there. When you have a meditation room, don't let anybody do any talking or anything. Just even if you can't have a separate room, then have a screened off area of your bedroom where you don't do anything but, but uh, meditate there, you will find in time that the minute you go there, you'll feel more like meditating. Whereas if it's a place where people have been um, used to talking and doing other things, then the vibrations won't be that conducive. You'll have to fight against those more restless vibrations. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's important for us to create harmonious homes, and uh, not only go to vi- harmonious places, but to create harmony. I think certain things help to create harmony. Here we could come into the science of it: colors, for example, colors of uh, violent red or orange or black or so on. These. Things help to lower the vibrations. Harmonious music certainly can help to bring the harmony into the place. All those things are important.
2: Yeah. Especially having harmony within ourselves and that emanating yes. out into our environment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you have to fight Go outside. <laughs> <laughs> not <in> the garden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Swamiji, it seems like there's an inner pilgrimage and an outward pilgrimage, and the outward one is going to a place where those vibrations are, but learning to do that on the inside also is important.
1: We carry our temple with us wherever we go, and we should remember that. Your body is a temple, and you should keep it clean for God.
2: Swamiji those high vibrations do you uh, see them not only in Capernaum when you were there but in certain books or
1: yes of music you know it was an interesting thing in in uh, <clears throat> college our professor asked us our criteria of great literature and uh, suddenly it came to me and I wrote this I knew that it would be just blow his mind but I said when I read Homer's Iliad, I felt there was a white light around it, and when I read Shakespeare, I felt a g- sort of golden-blue, when I read Chaucer, was sort of blue-brown. Most didn't have any light at all. He gave me a flunking grade, but I, <laughs> I knew I was right. Books have a vibration. Minarapo, when he came to his guru, he had books of black magic and books of spirituality. And his guru told him to get rid of those books. He sold them on the shelf there, and he could see their aura. So everything has a certain aura, a certain um, vibration. And uh, we should surround ourselves by good vibrations and good books.
2: You were talking about feng shui, and that's certainly a feng shui principle. Yes, it is. Of only having in your environment things that are good.
1: And I, if I find that there's a book that is not good, I know there was a certain teacher, I don't want to mention him, but in our bookstores, I said, don't have his books in your bookstore. It was false teaching. Mm.
2: How can people learn to identify and discriminate?
1: Well, it's not so easy, because you have to have experience. But does it resonate with your experience in an upward way or a downward way? um many books that purport to be good books are not good books. And uh, I, I think if I really would put my mind to it, I'd get rid of quite a few of the books in my library, <laughs> but at least I don't have the bad books. Because there is definitely something, that which brings you more peace, more happiness, helps to uplift your consciousness, helps to give you a feeling of wisdom, which doesn't just confuse you. Mm-hmm. These things are important. How do you know? Well, I would say that anything that uh, brings you a sense of inner harmony would be right. Certain Hemingway, for example, is always very choppy in his writing. I don't like it. It's too restless. Mm-hmm. I, I, Rambo, a French author, it's dark writing. I wouldn't have that in my house. Anything that is uplifting, great poetry, but not bad poetry, poetry that makes you feel happy. I think that's the right.